This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the Academy Show on the Blood Red channel. I'm your host, Paul Wheelock, and if you're a first-time listener to this podcast, what we do is give you the latest from Liverpool's under-23 and under-18 teams. And to help me do that, I've enlisted our Liverpool FC reporter and Blood Red host Ian Doyle, as well as Matt Addison, who you may well have heard on our post-game and View from the Cop podcasts. Matt is a regular down at the Academy in Kirby, and he joined me to talk a big win for the under-18s that maintained their lead at the top of the Premier Division North table and set themselves up perfectly for a huge win. Week. We also talk the incredible scoring feats of Bobby Duncan and Paul Glatzel, the emergence of Fidel O'Rourke, and the next player Matt believes has the potential to break into Jurgen Klopp's first team squad. Klopp was at Anfield on Monday night to watch Liverpool under 23s lose the mini derby 2 0 to Everton. Ian Doyle was also there, and he gives us the lowdown on a bad night for Neil Critchley's side. One of the positives to come out of the game was that Ben Woodburn came through 90 minutes unscathed. Ian talks Woodburn's future before going on to explain why Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain didn't feature as first expected. The good news is that Chamberlain is set to play for the under-23s at Derby County on Friday afternoon, but as Ian also explains, the Reds are going to have to wait a little longer to get Rian Brewster back. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, I'm now joined by Ian Doyle, our Liverpool FC reporter, who watched his second Merseyside derby in the space of two days last night when he was at Anfield for the mini derby. Uh, 2-0 defeat for Liverpool under 23s, Ian. Mm. Could they have any complaints about the final outcome? Not really. They didn't really create a lot of chances. Neil Critchley, the manager, said after the game, he admitted as much. They deserved nothing from the game. Everton are going for the title. I think there's something like four points clear at the top now with not many games left. You could see that they were more of a team. They knew... What they were doing, they clearly played together more often and then Liverpool just they just never really got going. Going into the game, they were 13 unbeaten. and Probably gone on the quiet a little bit because most of the focus this season has been mm. on the under-18s given they're having such a great campaign. What went wrong then last night? A lot of those games in that 13-game unbeaten run were draws and it came after they lost 7-0 at home to Villarreal in the Premier League International yes, Cup. Yeah. But that was slight anomaly because Liverpool basically played almost the under-18 teams, in 18 players, some even younger than that, I seem to recall. So something had happened at the time where a lot of the under-23s were elsewhere. And uh, so it was just one of those things, that game. So it was a slight anomaly. But since then, they've, they've, you know, they've, they've strived to get put together quite a few decent results. But the mid-table in, the, uh, in Premier League 2... They've kind of not really, you know, come alight this season. Maybe as they did in previous seasons, for for whatever reason, I don't. I'm not entirely sure because they do have some very good players in there, certainly very good prospects. I mean, last night there was five players in the Liverpool starting lineup who actually appeared for the first team, and that includes uh, Curtis Jones, uh, Kiana Hoover, uh, Connor Randall was there as well, Ben Woodburn and Rafa Camacho. They that they were the five, but. Everton, to be fair, did a did a good number on them. I mean, David Unsworth obviously takes great stock in in how the under twenty threes perform, not just as individuals but as a team. Uh, they have to say they won the they won the Premier League two title. I think it was two years ago, mm-hmm. and you know Everton were good, but Liverpool made them made it easy for them because they just you know as I said before, they just from the first whistle they just didn't get going. So collectively, it was a bad night. Jurgen Klopp was there. See, I think Pep Linders was there as well. Mm. Is there any individuals you've named a few there who you know people who will know? Did anyone stand out or anyone 
impress the the watching first team manager? Well, it would have been difficult to impress. I mean, the weather wasn't great either. I know we've we've spoken about Jurgen <laughs> Klopp and the weather. Oh, we're yeah. not going to win bit territory. Bit wind, yeah, no, wind, um, Did you see the Everton but, tweet yeah, by the yes, way? Yes, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, to, no, I was just belting it down. It's just yeah. one of those. To be fair, there was four and a half thousand there, and great there was just about yeah. two hundred, three hundred. Well, certainly two hundred officially from Everton who had their own little section next to the cop, but I'd imagine quite a few got in on the cop anyway. So it made for a decent atmosphere because it certainly considering the game was a bit humdrum and the, the actual weather was so poor. But in terms of impressing, uh, there's a lot of eyes on Ben Woodburn. Obviously, he's continuing his comeback. He had one or two good touches. He did get clattered in the second half. So it was good to see him get up and carry on after that, especially when he got caught in the ankle. I'm not sure whether it was the ankle that he'd injured initially that's kept him on the sidelines for so long. But he looked like he... He, he, he definitely needs a few more games. Doesn't look quite there yet. Of the others, Curtis Jones was playing on the left flank. Didn't really suit him. Uh, Kiana Hoover had a he had a tough time at, at right back. You know, saying that defensively he wasn't the only one. Uh, and Rafa Camacho was probably the one that stood out. You know, he's he's played for Liverpool this season at right back, um, but he's he was a right winger in his earlier days, and he's played quite a lot there for uh, the under twenty threes this season. He was back there. He had. About three or four, well, three spring to mind. Good, decent opportunities. The longer I've mentioned them, they're getting worse. <laughs> but <laughs> but they had a shot. Let's put, let's put it that way, um, which is more than most of the other Liverpool players did in the first half. But he made one or two wrong choices. There was one one incident in particular where three of the players we just mentioned, Woodburn, played a very good pass through to Camacho, had a, a run on a couple of defenders, and he dragged them across to the left inside the area, and he could have passed it right inside the area to Jones who was on an angle but he was unmarked and yeah. could have got a shot away but Camacho kept hold of the ball and I think he just got handed out or had a shot that was blocked and Jones was uh, not slow in telling that he wasn't very happy with that but you know it, it wasn't a night where any individual truly shone for Liverpool. And Woodburn, I know you, you kicked off your analysis uh, about him, he, he's still only 19 mm. but does it feel like this summer and next season, given his bad luck with injuries, given the, the spell at Sheffield United didn't really work out, is it, is it not, not make or break time, that's unfair, but do you feel like in these coming months he's got to try and kick on again? It's interesting really, isn't it? Because as you say, November 2016, when he scored that goal against Leeds, <laughs> it's like forever, yeah, forever <laughs> yeah. ago. And he's, last season was one where he was uh, con- consolidating in the under-23s. I think he only made, well, he only, did only make two appearances for the first team. One was uh, against Leicester in the League Cup and I think he shortly after that or was it either before it was around that time that he did his thing for Wales where he came off the bench scored on his on his debut I think it was and uh, then created a goal in one of his next games in the in the World Cup qualifiers then he came on a sub in the last game against Brighton in the last Premier League game of the season against Brighton but this season was obviously meant to be the one where he went out to Sheffield United and did good things there but didn't really happen partly because possibly because Sheffield United ended up doing a lot better than anybody would have thought and you can't blame them for not wanting to rock that particular boat especially when it's a player who isn't their player and but then he got the injury as well so it, this has perhaps been the season where next season may be the season that we thought this season was going to be yes. for Ben Woodburn I th- and I think he'll look at that the same way whether or not he goes out on loan again I don't know it's like a lot of these players certainly around about his age they'll get games in the summer, especially with the likes of Mane and Salah going off to the African uh, Cup of Nations. Firmino, you'd imagine, is going off to uh, South America for the Copper America. I'm pretty sure that's this summer. Um, so there will be scope for them to impress Klopp in the summer for Woodburn. It's just a matter of making sure that he's fit and sharp because 
I suspect if he carries on the way he's going, he'll be one of those players, the old cliche, he'll be sad to see the season end. Yeah. Somebody's just getting starting for him. Definitely. You mentioned that it was a healthy crowd there. I imagine it might, have been, might even have been bigger if Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain would have played. Mm. Uh, what were the reasons against Holden, against him uh, playing that game? Because well, I know late last week there was some talk that he might be actually feature. Well, there's no no rush, obviously, when he's been out for that long. I mean, you, you saw the conditions as well. Well, they may have suspected it may have been a bit, bit rainy, but, you know, he's going to have to play at some point. Uh, and rain's not going to stop him. But I also think, with it being a derby, uh, you'd imagine, um, you know, without wishing to cast aspersions, that both sides were quite robust in some of the tackling, and it's not going to be the, uh, the, the 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 safest of games to throw somebody back in. So um, it looks as though it could be a, a derby on Friday, <clears throat> Friday afternoon, I should say, on the on the training ground. Uh, I don't exactly know what it is. Need to find out because I'm going to it. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, all things considered, if he comes through training this week and, again, the, the the conditions, the pitch is fine at Derby's training ground, then it looks like he could be making that longer way to come back. And for Liverpool, it's long overdue. Do you think if he plays on Friday, will there be kind of like a clamour for him to get him back in that first team squad? Not for like the Burnley game, obviously, a couple of days later, but maybe Fulham before the international break, or are we all just getting ahead of ourselves? There's been a, a clamour for it ever since Klopp mentioned he was getting back to training in January. So, uh, I... I I think Liverpool fans, it's like anything else, isn't it? Certainly they want everything now, but I think realistically, if he plays a substitute appearance in the next month for the first team, that's good going because it's, you forget how, how, not just how long he's been out, but his injury that he's had as well. I mean, it, it's one of those injuries where you'd imagine he makes a, his comeback and then he gets a slight niggle somewhere else as his body readjusts to have, having not played for so long. So I wouldn't be too worried about that. But in terms of putting too much on him, over the coming weeks, not really, no. Just a final one. Another player who's had a long-term injury is uh, Rian Brewster. I know you spoke to Neil Critchley after the mini-derby mm. on Monday. What's the kind of latest on him? Uh, well, with, with Rian Brewster, he started training, or certainly proper training with the first team this week. Um, he's obviously been based at Melwood, not at the academy for some time now. In terms of actually making an appearance, uh, Critch said afterwards he's not quite as close as Oxlade chamberlain Again, he's another player. He's been out since last January. Mm-hmm. And for a player who's never actually played a game for Liverpool, been on the bench once, there's you know, an awful lot of interest in him. He he's reckons that, you know, he's still got a chance that, of course he has. He's, he, he hasn't played. He hasn't really had the opportunity to prove himself yet. And the injury has obviously affected him in that, that sense. But again, Jürgen Klopp said that if, Brewster makes his debut before the end of the season. That's a bonus. And I, I, there's absolutely no need to rush him, is there? Because the reality is the first team don't particularly need him right now. And the under-23s are in a situation where they're not playing for an awful lot, I don't think, at the moment. So they can ease him in when they uh, see fit. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, I'm now joined by Matt Addison, who was down at a Sunkist Academy, I believe, on Saturday morning in Kirby to watch Liverpool's free-scoring under-18s thrash Blackburn Rovers 7-2 to stay three points clear at the top of their under-18s Premier Division table. Matt, first things first, great to have you on, mate. Uh, and was it as comfortable as the final scoreline suggested? Yeah, um, it was a very interesting game to watch, really enjoyable. Um, Blackburn actually, surprisingly, given the scoreline, started the game the better of the two teams. Went ahead after a couple of minutes, um, for the first 15, 20 minutes, it looked like it was going to be a tough afternoon for Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool, in the end, turned it round. And it was only 2-1 at half-time. Um, so 
in the second half. I think it was four goals in the space of nine, ten minutes. Uh, and that kind of inflated the scoreline in the end. Definitely. And there's one man probably stealing the headlines, not for the first time this season, being Bobby Duncan. You know, hat-trick, I believe, to take his tally for the season to 24. You know, with young players, you, you're careful not to build too much hype around them. But it's, it's hard not to be excited about Bobby, is it, at the moment? Yeah, um, 24 goals, as you say. Lots of assists as well. Um, he's on his uh, Twitter profile. He's made sure to point that out as well. Um, <laughs> not just about the goals, he's about the assists as well. Um, but yeah, as I say, he's doing everything right. Um, he's given himself a real chance. It's his first season at Liverpool. Uh, he was at Manchester City before. So um, for him to come in and get 24 goals at this stage of a season, um, it's absolutely fantastic. You can see just from watching him how much of... Uh, how much the rest of the team sort of look to give him the ball at every opportunity. He's brimming with confidence at the moment and uh, hopefully he can get up to that 30-goal mark by the end of the season. Yeah, there'll be plenty of chance to see Bobby and his teammates before now, between now and the end of the season. For those who haven't seen him or have read the reports on online, you know, in the Echo, what kind of striker is he? Um, he's an all-rounder. He's not just about goals. Um, obviously, goals for strikers are the, the most important thing. Uh, but watching him this season, I think as the, the months have passed by, he's become more of a team player. He's able to link with the, the midfield. Um, and the most important thing, I think, off the ball is, is something that he's developed a lot this season. He's really good at pressing. He's the one who will lead that charge towards the ball. As soon as Liverpool lose it, he's on it. He's, he's not the only one. There's, there's one or two others as well. But um, for him, the next step is, you know, Stepping up to the 23s, hopefully, in the next uh, few months, certainly next season, you'd imagine. Um, and just continuing to prove himself at the top level. If you keep scoring goals, it doesn't really matter what the rest of your game's like, does it? If you've put in 24 goals in the back of the net, you've, you've obviously got some talent. Very true. And it's, it's credible. Like, you'd think he'd be the out-and-out -out top scorer in this team, but he's not, is he? Because his strike partner, Paul Glatzel, has got 24 himself, actually, 24, 24. Yeah, they're, they're neck and neck at the moment in that little competition between themselves. Um, the pair of them, you know, if if you had just one player on 24 goals at this stage, it'd be fantastic. But to have two is it's absolutely brilliant for Liverpool's academy teams. Wasn't playing on Saturday, Glatzel. Uh, didn't play for the under-23s in Monday's mini Merseyside derby. Presumably back for Wednesday against Berry in the FA Youth Cup, which we will come to talk to in a moment or two. But it's been quite a few weeks for, for Powell, hasn't it? You know, his first professional contract, and you know, I think he scored his first goal for the under-23s. Lots to be excited about uh, about this young lad as well. There certainly is. Um, from what I gather, he's fantastic around the training ground and he's got the, the perfect attitude. And Liverpool were more than happy to reward him as soon as he turned 18, give him his first professional contract. Um, he's another one who's got a massive future ahead of him as the season's gone on he's played more with the 23s than the 18s but he's made that step up and he's scored already I think three goals for the 23s settled in straight away Bournemouth and West Ham I think a couple of a couple of the teams that he's played against done really well not looked out of place so to make that step up so quickly shows that he's certainly on the right track Good stuff. He's not the only young uh, top talent Liverpool are tying down. Uh, in recent weeks, you may have seen that the defender, Reese Williams, has also signed his first professional contract, while Adam Lewis, uh, who's now an under-23s regular himself, has signed a long-term deal. I know Adam is someone that you're particularly excited about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's one of those young players that versatility is, is something that will give him an extra opportunity. You think back to Trent Alexander-Arnold, 
played most of his career in midfield. Obviously, now he's made himself Liverpool's out-and-out number one fullback. Um, Adams played in midfield like Trent for most of his career. More recently, he's played at left-back. And you think possibly with Alberto Moreno moving on this summer, there's a big opportunity for Adam to step up and sort of cement himself as Andy Robertson's understudy. I think for sure he'll go away with the first team on the uh, the preseason tour this summer. And there's no doubt that he's got the ability. Hopefully, he can can show on the pitch, prove to the first team staff, you know, that he's at that right level. And who knows? In the future, you might have Trent Alexander-Arnold taking corners from one wing and free kicks from one side of the pitch, and uh, Adam doing it from the other because he's got a sweet left foot, hasn't he? He certainly has. Um, a, there was a goal actually from a free kick last season. It was um, at Anfield against Manchester United. If uh, anybody's not seen that, it's well worth checking out. It's right into the top corner. Um, so to have another dead ball specialist would be fantastic. And as you say, it's, it's uh, an extra thing to incentivise Klopp to put him in the side if he's got somebody else who can take a dead ball situation. I mentioned earlier that there was no Paul Glatzville against Blackburn, so the captaincy went to another attacker, Fidelo Rourke, who we have mentioned on this podcast in the in the past, helped himself to two goals. He's having quite the season himself. Uh, just tell us a little bit about him, because I believe he's a bit of a late developer. I know that sounds ridiculous for someone who's still in the te- in teenage years, but in terms of today's you know academy football. Yeah, so uh, he didn't actually join up with Liverpool's academy uh, until he was 14, um, so quite late, as you say, to to join the academy. He'd played at grassroots level, amateur level before that, um, but Liverpool picked him out and he's he's been at the club now for a couple of years, really settled in nicely. This season's been a big season for him. He's one of the younger lads at under-18 level, um, but the last couple of matches, Barry Lutus has picked him as the captain. Um, I spoke to him after the game on Saturday and he picked out how fantastic he is around the training ground how the rest of his teammates respect him, not just because of his talent, but because of the, the kind of person that he is off the pitch as well. Um, so big occasion for him, obviously being captain. It's a, another big step forward for him and to get a couple of goals, uh, a couple of assists as well. Fantastic for the lad. So two for him, a couple of assists as well, three for Duncan. Is there anyone else uh, in the performance against Blackburn that you you thought deserved praise particularly? Yeah, um, so there's a few impressive players. Um, Jack Byrne is probably one that people haven't necessarily heard of before. He's found chances this season a little bit limited, um, but with no Paul Glatzel, he was able to come into that front three. Playing off the right-hand side, um, in many ways actually reminds me of Ryan Kent, uh, a player in Liverpool's academy not so long ago. doing well for Rangers, isn't he? Yeah, he's gone up to to, uh, Rangers with Steven Gerrard, and there's, there's definitely some similarity there. Both of them very direct. Their first thought is get the ball, run at their opponent and try and cause them problems. And Jack certainly did that on uh, on Saturday. I think it was uh, Fidel's first goal that he set up, um, did fantastically well. Um, Eddie Tags as well, midfielder, um, came off the bench. Um, he's had several injury problems the last couple of years, but a big moment for him to, to get a goal. Um, should help his confidence and hopefully he can kick on from that as well. So the win over Blackburn, as I say, kept Liverpool top of the uh, the North standings, three points clear at the top from Derby, I believe. And it, it just set it set it all up, hasn't it, for a, for a massive week that starts on Wednesday night at Gig Lane, home of Berry FC in the FA Youth Cup quarterfinals. Yeah, um, Liverpool fighting on all fronts at the moment at under-18 level, which is fantastic to see. Into the quarter-final of the Youth Cup, um, beating Wigan 2-0 uh, about a month or so ago. 
Um, and it, it's a it's a really big occasion actually. Liverpool haven't won the competition since two thousand and seven. Um, the likes of Jay Spearing were in the team. It was United, that. wasn't it? United yeah, over United two legs. over two legs on penalties. They won in the end. Um, got to the final two years later, but ended up losing. Um, so for the club to have a bit of a run in that has been fantastic, and obviously they're overwhelming favourites against Berry. Yeah, and winners will play Watford in the semi-finals. And before we could uh, we talk about potential final opponents. The whole teams left in the competition will have been boosted by Chelsea's exit, won't they? Because they've dominated this competition for years and years and years. It feels like it's a bit of a more open feel now. Yeah, I think Chelsea have won the last five on the spin, something like that. They've got to the final in pretty much all of the last seven or eight years. Um, I think it was Manchester United who ended up knocking them out and then they've been knocked out themselves. So the competition's really opened up for Barry Lutis's side to uh, to go all the way. Yeah, we've got to mention the fact that beat Berry, as I said then, Watford in the semi-finals. The other semi-final is Manchester City versus West Brom, who knocks out Everton uh, from the competition. It's all set up for a Liverpool City FA Youth Cup final while the two senior teams are going head-to-head for the Premier League, isn't it? Yeah, it, it uh, certainly seems the most likely outcome um, at this moment in time. They'd certainly be the two favourites. There's a long way to go yet, of course. You don't want to get too far ahead of yourself, but... Um, It'd be a fantastic story, wouldn't it, alongside the uh, the Premier League title race if those two were to go head-to-head at youth level as well. Yeah, you're a regular down at Kirby watching the under-18s under and the under-23s. Uh, but you're not going to Zagreb next Tuesday <laughs> for that UEFA Youth League tie with Dynamo Zagreb, are you? <laughs> no, it, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? Um, but uh, no, um, I'll obviously be following that game. It's uh, a big game, the equivalent of the Champions League for uh, Liverpool's under-19s as it is. Uh, in UEFA competition so they progressed through the through the group uh, stage through, by beating PSG Napoli and Red Star Belgrade the same as the first team they've certainly earned their place um, so big game for them over in Croatia just underlines what a good season Barry Lutis and his lads are having this isn't it the fact that we're deep into this campaign now what we first week in March and as you say fighting for glory on all three fronts yeah it's fantastic um you look at the squad depth that Liverpool have got at that level and you can see how they are still involved in all three competitions but obviously to to keep playing as well as they have done um, being absolutely relentless with their results Barry always says you know the, the main thing isn't the results it's the performances at, at that level but uh, to be fighting at the very top of European and domestic competitions it shows what a good group of players that Liverpool have got at that age group at this moment in time the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. So just a reminder that Liverpool under 23s, hopefully including Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, will play at Derby County on Friday afternoon. But first up is the under-18s, is FA Youth Cup quarter-final tie at Berry on Wednesday night. Kick-off is 7pm. The under-18s will then travel to Derby County on Saturday morning for a top-of-the-table encounter before making the longer trip to Croatia next Tuesday, that's March 12th, for a UEFA Youth League last 16 tie against Dynamo Zagreb. We'll be across all of those matches on the Echo's website and we'll be back soon with another episode of the Academy Show. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.